This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Welcome to today's episode of Vocal Perspective. This is Rachel. I'm here with my co-host, Amanda, and we are here with actually another Amanda. This is Amanda Rader, and she is from Chelmsford, and she's a director of The Thursdays and a sort of, I guess, um, director or sort of support for the school's female-identifying group, The Crescendos, and just wanted to say welcome to Amanda. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, it's so nice to be here. Yeah. So I always like to start this in the same place, which is asking how you got introduced to acapella. What's your background? Hmm. So I remember first being exposed to it when I was in high school. I was not lucky enough to, to sing in a group myself because no such group existed at my school at that time. But there was a school for the performing arts nearby, the, the Pioneer Valley Performing Arts Charter School, where Tony Lechner had started up a group called Five Alone. Uh, ah. And they were just outstanding, really, really caught my my interest. And I actually, as I recall, I, I tried to get a little quartet together in high school, but it, it never never really took off. And then I went off to college to major in music, but my focus was on instrumental music. I always thought that I was going to be a band director. So although I did sing in a madrigal ensemble through much of college, I myself have never sung in a contemporary a cappella group. So I didn't really get involved with it myself until I was hired for, for a, a high school choral job, <laughs> uh, fresh out of college. And I had this wonderful principal who said to me, we want to grow the music program. She said, we, we have a chorus and we want to offer lots more. So what else can you teach? And so I was put in this incredible position of basically just making a list of everything that a quality high school program ought to have and everything that I thought I might be able to teach. And one of the things that came out of that was a group that first was known as the Chamber Choir and very quickly morphed into the Jewel Tones. And so they were my my first a cappella group in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And it kind of just took off from there. By the time I left that school, we had four groups. And when I started my current job, you know, at that point, acapella was a big part of my professional identity. So I was excited to start up another program. Yeah. And you are very well known for the program that you've started. You've produced some really incredible groups and groups of kids who have produced some really amazing music. And can you, so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you sort of, I don't, I want to say learned how to do that, <laughs> which is maybe a really big question, but I, but I wonder maybe if you can break down a little bit about sort of how you grew into being able to lead that kind of program. Oh, gosh, honestly, I, I feel like I just kind of bumbled along and figured it out <laughs> as, as we went. Yeah. I'd love to say that I could break it down uh, <laughs> into a 10-step you know, sure, process to building a program. But, you know, I was, I was 21 <laughs> when I started doing this, and I, and I had never sung in a group myself. So I was really just trying to copy the groups that I knew of. Uh, so, you know, it started out with just listening to, listening to those old Five Alone 
CDs and uh, the doo-wop shop was another group that I remembered from my UMass days. Yeah. And I, I spent a lot of time listening to WERS, which is a local radio station. They do a, an acapella show on weekends. And this, of course, was back before the days of streaming. <laughs> so, it, it actually feels really antiquated now when I when I think about how I, how I radio days. <laughs> but yeah, just listening to what else was out there, um, listening to the Boca CDs and, and then just kind of trying to copy <laughs> what other groups were doing. Yeah. Learning what sounds arrangers were using in their work, watching the groups at, at ICCA. And yeah, really, I think when, when you're first starting at, out and particularly if you... <laughs> If you are as inexperienced as I was, you're really just trying to ape what the, what the good groups are doing. Yeah. It really took quite a while, to be honest, before I had any sort of real personal vision for what my groups could sound like and, and what they could achieve artistically. I wanted to ask, did you feel, I don't know, inspired or, or pushed in different directions by the students? How much did they at points have opportunities to help you direct them the way that they ultimately went? Hmm. I actually think that over the course of my career, I have I have put the students increasingly in the driver's seat. When I first started out, I was definitely leading the charge, and you know, so I mean, certainly I I wanted my students' input and valued their opinions, but it wasn't unusual back then for me to pick the music. I was usually the one who was pushing the group, you know, hey, how about if we apply for this competition? Or why don't we send our tracks in to be considered for this compilation? Whereas now it's really quite the opposite. I very much prefer to let my students take the lead. And what differences have you seen now? I mean, you built a very successful program at Marblehead, and now you've moved into a relatively new school. You've been there a little while now. How has that impacted your programs with the students leading it more so than they used to? I think sometimes it's a little hard to pinpoint the reason for, you know, you, you'll you'll feel a change and there are so many factors that can contribute to it. So, you know, some of this might simply be the benefit of age and experience, but I feel like although this is a, a line of work that will continuously throw new challenges at you. Uh, in a lot of ways, the work of, of leading my ensembles just feels a lot easier than it used to be. And I think perhaps one reason is that I have gotten a little better at just being attuned to what really drives a group. You know, not, not every group functions the same way or has the same same vision or the same culture. Uh, you know, even when you lead multiple groups, I mean, certainly to some extent, a, a group is a reflection of its director. But I think learning to really take the temperature of the room yeah. <laughs> and just to, to be aware of what is motivating a group and how they're evolving over time and then allowing that to really be at the forefront when making artistic decisions. It just it just makes everything feel so much easier. You know, things just seem to fall into place. Yeah. As you have different sort of, you know, the nature of scholastic groups is that, you know, new kids come in, old kids graduate, and, and the group necessarily has to change as these new personalities come in. How, how do you see the group 
sort of shift and grow through that? And what do you see your role as being in helping them make that adjustment? Well, you know, just in the in the nuts and bolts sense, you know, in in Chelmsford, we audition our groups in June. So as as the year is closing out, we start to select the new members for the following year. And I always have a few graduating seniors on the audition panel, so they help me to select the new members. I feel like you know, back on, on, on the theme of how, you know, some things get easier the longer you're at this. When I was younger, I feel like that transition from year to year was much more fraught. Uh, you know, if, if I was losing a particularly strong senior class, I think, you know, oh boy, how are we ever going to replace them? And, you know, of course, a person can't be replaced. You know, every student brings something really unique to a group. You know, you may never have someone who has quite that same persona on the stage or, you know, exactly that same style of leadership. But the truth is that year after year, when spots are vacated, kids will rise to the challenge of filling that spot. And I think it's important to, it's, it's important as a director, just to have faith in the potential of kids, uh, to know that even, even the str- strongest senior class, you know, although they will be missed, there's always <laughs> another class coming up behind them. Uh, and, and I think that in, in modeling that for the students, they, they have also come to, to trust that as well. Um, one thing that I really am enjoying about both of my groups uh, is that you know, we, we really try to be reflective throughout the year. But but I think particularly anytime we experience big highs or big lows, it's an opportunity to pause and and just talk about, uh, okay, you know, how, how do we feel about what just happened? Why do we think things went the way they did? What in this experience would we like to try to replicate in the future? How do we pass our knowledge and experience on to the new members? Uh, and also, is there anything right now that is holding us back and that we want to be very intentional about not passing on to the new members? Always a smart final final piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's nice to see my students starting to internalize that and, you know, very often without any significant prompting from me, they're already kind of thinking in those terms. And so they're, they're really conscious of the fact that they're part of something that, that, that will continue long after they are gone. And, you know, we all want to make sure that we're laying a strong foundation for all the various evolutions of the groups to come. Yeah. And the Thursdays especially have seen a lot of success the last few years. And I know their season this year was cut short as everyone's was. So how are you handling that with the kids? How are they handling it? Um, and how, and you might not have the answer to this yet, but how will they continue those important steps that you've been taking this year in a virtual way? Because I know a lot of directors are asking themselves that question. You know, um, things have been pretty quiet among the Thursdays uh, since the schools were closed. And, you know, I was talking before about kind of taking the temperature of the group. I've checked in with them a few times and have have kind of tried to feel them out. On the day of what would have been our semifinal, I posted on our Slack channel and asked everyone to share some favorite memories of the season. There's been a lot 
of just looking back and you know being being appreciative of the experiences that they've shared together in terms of where to go from here you know i'm kind of uh trying to let them take the lead on that and and so far they they seem to be in kind of a, a reflective place and so that's that's what it's going to be right now the other group that i direct the crescendos they have been just a little a little more public in processing the uh, these bizarre times that we are in they they put out a, a video series on instagram of each of their members singing at home and you know that that again is something that came entirely from them i i didn't suggest it or, or push them in that direction in any way and so I, I think all of us are processing this strange new reality in different ways and and i think it's important to honor where our students are from day to day you know, some some groups are going to be super motivated to make virtual choir videos, and, and others are going to be a little bit more introspective. In terms of when we do eventually come back together, uh, you know, I guess we're we're all kind of waiting to find out exactly <laughs> when that will be. We had a big concert planned for well, it would have been last week. And officially, that has been postponed, not canceled. And we're trying to figure out if there's any way that we could have even a scaled down event, you know, maybe sometime over the summer. We have been very excited to get into the studio this spring. Both groups were planning to record a couple of songs. And so we're all kind of grieving the loss of that opportunity. But certainly that is something that we will do at some point down the road. There's always next year. I, I know yeah. the seniors are probably going to take it a little hard, but it's good to hear that you're letting the kids kind of lead it because I know right now a lot of teachers want to, sh you know, want to make sure their kids are, are getting something comparable that they would have gotten in the classroom. And for me, like, I know it's just not... It's not going to be the same. So finding ways that the kids can feel like they're processing it and they are moving forward in a way that's comfortable for them, it's that's really hopeful to hear. Yeah. Well, and I also think even in yeah, even in normal times, it's always important just to be conscious of what a group can reasonably and and happily take on and find meaning with. And this is something that I've been very proud of the Thursdays for is that as they have achieved many of their goals and they've they've gotten a lot more um, notoriety, they haven't been afraid to say no to to some of the opportunities that have come up. You know, they they're, they've been pretty good about checking in with themselves, checking in with each other, and saying, you know, this is a really cool opportunity but we're feeling a little overextended. It's a smart lesson to learn at that age. I wish I had learned it at that age. <laughs> you know, it, it, it has been such a blessing watching that group, you know, watching their successes over the years. And I'm so, so proud of them. But I, I've always been really conscious of like not wanting to push them too hard. And so I think that, you know, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but as devastated as we all were to see the competition season come to an end and to see our spring plans evaporate, I guess a positive in all this is that it was an opportunity to just pause and take a breath. And I know that they are all using this time to reflect on 
where they will see the group headed when we are back together again. I wanted to ask, do you, do you see that? I mean, it, it is way too early to tell, I, I imagine, but I wonder if you've thought about the impact that this might have on their on their direction, on their choices about maybe the music or the the tone or sort of what they want to do. Do you think they they might step back because they appreciate this the forced step back? I don't know. I, I hesitate to speculate mm. <laughs> on that. I, you know, I have a feeling that you know, in terms of you know, what their what their performance schedule looks like for next year. I think both groups are going to be very eager to keep up with all the things that they have been doing. Uh, they they love doing ICHSA and any voices and uh, they love performing with all different groups uh, in, in our area. And as I've mentioned a couple of times, they were really, really excited to record. So I'm not sure that I necessarily see them scaling back on that stuff. Although who knows, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be up to them. In terms of how it might affect them artistically, um, both of my groups put so much thought into the music that they sing. Um, it's, it could actually be a little bit maddening from my perspective. <laughs> they, they will take months and months to, to settle on their competition set. <laughs> and, and then I have, you know, three weeks to, to, to write the arrangements <laughs> or three days sets, in the, but, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, but I really appreciate how thoughtful they are. And, and both groups really, they, they, they want to say something through their music. They, they really want to choose music that is authentic to who they are. So how can this experience not inform their artistic choices uh, when when we get back at it. So uh, this may be a more sort of, I don't know, I guess, logistical question. But for y- you, wh- what is the rest of your academic year going to be like? Are you virtual teaching? How, wh- what is the expectation on you for what's left of the school year? We have been doing uh, online learning for, I think this is our third week now. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny how the, the days all sort of... <laughs> yes, we are all in agreement that time does not exist now. Yeah, we're using Google Classroom. And so at, at this point, all of our all of our classes are, are up and running. And I spend several hours each day checking on the students' assignments and giving them feedback. And I think our the number one thing that we have really been encouraged to attend to as teachers is just checking in, making contact, and taking care of unique social-emotional needs that are going to come up as a result of this quarantine. You know, the fact is, we are not going to be able to cover all of the content that we would cover in a face-to-face setting. Our administrators have really encouraged us to make peace with that fact and (laughs) to find ways to deliver content that is meaningful and valuable to the kids, but to really make sure that that we are keeping the kids front and center in all this. So I, I really appreciate that leadership from uh, from our administration, and so that has really been guiding uh, my work, particularly with uh, with my choirs. I'm hoping that maybe we can put together some sort of a collaborative recording. I really. I, 
uh, we've never done anything like this before and I'm trying not to set my hopes too high. You know, we'll, we're, I, I think we're going we're gonna to venture into this next week, record a few bars of a song and, and see how this goes. I'll do a, a, a super, super rough mix on GarageBand. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect way to take advantage of this time. I mean, yeah, like you said, we're, no student is going to get the exact same experience as they would in the classroom. It's going to take longer for them to, to understand concepts and whether they even have the capacity right now to understand the concepts. But doing things like a collaborative recording where it's not a professional studio, it's very low pressure, I think is a it's a perfect way for them to really understand what music can do, which it's been interesting to see how much we've decided or learned of what's really important. And I think people are learning that music is a little bit more important than maybe we gave it credit for. Hmm. Um, I think, <laughs> I think too, um, it's a nice way for them to, I, I'm doing air quotes because nobody can see me, but to sing together, right? Like they're singing, even if they can't physically be together to be able to sing, you know, alone and have somebody put that music together to be something where they can hear each other together. I think, I don't know, that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of joy to think about the opportunity for them to even being alone, they can still be together. Yeah. And and that's the thing that I think we are all just sorely missing through this. this. The wonderful thing about being a music teacher is that uh, very often you'll have the same students for for four years running, uh, or, you know, for those of us who teach in multiple schools, maybe even longer than that. So there, there's such a sense of community. And I know, you know, the, the kids have expressed this to me that having that space, that safe space in the chorus room, you know, knowing that they can walk in there every day and see people that they trust and, and people that they can be their authentic selves around. It's so, so important in, in high school. Oh, yeah. And it's been, it's really been painful not having that. Uh, so we've, we've had a couple of uh, video chats <laughs> that end up being uh, really, really emotional. You know, it's, it's so uplifting just to, to see everybody's faces. And we've done a little bit of singing together with, with everybody's microphone off because otherwise it would, <laughs> it would be a hot mess. But, uh, but yes. there is something kind of special about just singing a familiar song and knowing that somewhere out there, people that you love are singing it along with you at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you something different to think about as you're singing. And also anyone that's out there, because so many people have asked, all of those videos that look like live Zoom calls that they're all singing in time, it's not live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything like that has to be pre-recorded and put back together. Otherwise, you get a huge mess. Try singing the happy birthdays, you'll understand. <laughs> oh, yes. We, we, we did exactly that, actually. We, we attempted to, to sing Happy Birthday and uh, didn't, didn't go well. <laughs> but I'm glad, you know, it is nice to, you know, as weird as it is, it's nice to think about like, I'm here singing a song. And even though I can't hear them right now, someone else is singing the song with me. That's a really new way to think about being together, even though, you know, the sound isn't there. Hopefully it's a lesson that they can take with them after this. There's a lot of lessons I hope we take with us after all of this, but knowing sure. that it's more than just being in the same room together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely for, for me, uh, it's been really interesting. I've, I've been quarantining alone and in some ways I feel like I'm 
built really well for this because uh, I'm I'm a pretty hardcore introvert in my in, in my normal life. If if I don't get a, at least one evening a week uh, by myself, then I, I start to get real cranky real quick. So <laughs> when, when this started out, I, I thought, oh, no problem, I got this. <laughs> I was made for this. <laughs> Uh, and and very quickly, I I found myself uh, really al- almost in a, a state of despair um, mm. because I had I never really thought about just how much of my life I spend surrounded by people, you know, surrounded by <laughs> surrounded by teenagers. Um, and, and, you know, as as exhausting as that work can be, it also really does feed my soul. And uh, it it was really tough those first few weeks, not having that interaction. So I, I wonder, I'm, I'm sure that my students are, are working through similar things. And uh, I, I know that for there are plenty of people out there who, who have a really hard time being alone and enjoying their own company. I, I really, really hope, you know, maybe one positive thing that might come out of all this is that we might all you know, the, the, it's it's an opportunity for all of us to to examine that to hopefully get a little better with mm-hmm. you know enjoying our own company and, and also I think it's making it very clear what kind of interaction really feeds us and nourishes us and and, and what we need to feel whole. Well, that is a good note to end on since we're coming up on our time. But Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's a it's unusual and you know. We could have gone on and on and about just your experience um, at Marblehead and now with the Thursdays and the Crescendos. But it's I think we all need to hear like how music and teaching and education is adjusting. And I think you really hit the nail on the head for a lot of it. And hopefully other educators are feeling the same way and making similar strides to put the kids first. Well, as Amanda said, thank you so much to Amanda Rader. And we'll be back again next week. We hope that all of you out there are staying safe and healthy. Next week, we'll be back with Christine Sack, who sang with Voice Box when they went to the ICCA finals. For those of you listening to the broadcast, we are going to hear a little bit from The Thursdays, one of the groups that Amanda works with, and we'll see you next Tuesday.